Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Politically Speaking Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Chris McDaniel, a reporter with St. Louis Public Radio. Joining me in studio today is... Jason Rosenbaum of the St. Louis Beacon. Joe Manis of the St. Louis Beacon. And former Speaker of the House... Stephen Tilley. This is this is a bit of a, a different guest on our show because this is the first time we've had a guest who... Breaking new ground. Breaking new ground. <laughs> so I'm the We're, first has-been, huh? <laughs> <No. laughs> I wouldn't say that. You could yeah. say either has-been or somebody with a wealth of knowledge and experience. So. We'll go with yes. the second one. <laughs> well, well, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself and why we're having someone who isn't a sitting legislator on our show? I think we would have to answer that, but... Yeah, I'm, I've been questioning that myself, <laughs> to be honest with you. Uh, you know, I, you know, Steve Tilley, I, I grew up uh, in a little town in southeast Missouri called Perryville, Missouri. My dad is an optometrist, and so he moved to Perryville from Arkansas uh, back in 1977. Uh, my parents got a divorce when I was in third grade. My mom moved to Kansas City, and my dad stayed <laughs> in Perryville. And through my high school years, I split time between the two, which I, I, I think was really good for me because it— it provided probably the diversity to me that's probably shaped who I am that I wouldn't have had if I just grew up in rural Missouri. Uh, 1989, I graduated from high school. Uh, I went to college at Southeast Missouri State University and got my Bachelor of Science degree there. And uh, I was a cook. Uh, I got married <laughs> in college, had a kid, and I was a cook to try and make ends meet. And I realized that, you know what, maybe I need to find a better profession. <laughs> what was your this. best dish? As a cook, you know I worked at Red Lobster, so I love the salmon. So, uh, <laughs> and I to this day still love it. But you know, I, I think it was a great motivating motivating circumstance for me because when you work every weekend and you work over a grill and a fryer, and you're making six dollars an hour, you, one you become to appreciate the people that that do that, and and two it made it was a big motivating factor that you know what I probably need to make better grades and and try and 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 go a different route which is what I ended up doing I went to uh, to was fortunate enough uh, to get accepted University of Missouri St. Louis School of Optometry graduated from there in 1998 and went back to uh, practice with my father back in 1998 and then and then when did you get in the legislature uh, I got elected in 2004. It's It was kind of an interesting process. Uh, in 2002, Kevin Engler decided to run for the House. Uh, the, 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 the new district was recently drawn, which included Farmington and Perryville. He was from Farmington, 40 miles away is Perryville. He didn't know hardly anyone mm. in Perryville. He called me and said, Steve, I, I'd like you to be my campaign treasurer uh, and kind of be my my spokesperson in that area. I did. He got elected. He, about six months, eight months after he's elected, he was like, I'm thinking about running for the third senatorial district. What do you think? Well, the third senatorial district is a 41% Republican district back in 2001 or 2002, 2003. And uh, he asked me what I thought. I was like, you can't win, so I'd stay in the House. So he, <laughs> like normal, he disagreed with me and did what he was going to do anyway. Uh, but once he made his decision, he's like, Steve, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but you ought to consider running for the House. And uh, up until that point in time, I was the kind of guy that put up, you know, yard signs or went to events or maybe walked in a parade. But I never really considered myself as a candidate uh, and uh, sat down with my dad and my family and said, what do you think? And they all said, well, if it's something you want to do, you ought to do it. And so I ran and, and got elected. You actually beat current Senator Gary Romine in a Republican primary. That's a, a little factoid or fact for Missouri political junkie. Yeah, thanks a lot. I'm a lobbyist that has to deal with Gary. You just brought that up. I appreciate that, Jason. No, that's no actually, it's, it's funny because 
he and I are really good friends, yes. and uh, I have nothing but the utmost respect, and I'm just honored to call him my friend. Uh, because after the election, uh, he came to me and said, Steve, you know, I want to be a part of the team. I want to help in any way. He actually went to work, I think, with Kevin Engler mm-hmm. and Bill Alter in the Senate. And that guy uh, got elected to the Senate. He worked hard. I was glad to be a supporter of his. And uh, he's, he's, he had a great first year in the Senate. Uh, and I expect bigger and better things from from Senator Romine. He just he, him and his entire family are just great people. So, how are you crazy enough to decide that you wanted to be in not only be in the legislature but wanted to be in Republican leadership? Well, I think it was my personality is such that you know I'm you know I'm very driven, uh, motivated, um, and I got up there and I realized there's 163 people and everybody has a say and everybody's important. But the train is kind of driven by, you know, the speaker uh, and, well, driven co- jointly with the speaker and the floor leader. Right. And, um, and I just thought to myself, if I'm going to be away from my daughters, Courtney and Corinne, and my family and my business, and, and what people don't see is how much less you make when you go do this, right. especially in my situation, uh, that I might as well try and be one of the leaders. So I can remember my the summer of my freshman year when most representatives were trying to just get their bearings and and trying to figure out how they're going to raise enough money to get reelected and everything. I was traveling the state Mm -hmm. and and walking in parades for people and getting to know my colleagues in the house. And, you know, the opportunity just arose relatively quickly because Tom Dempsey got elected to the Senate in a special election. I think I was in I was two and a half years into my career and got fortunate, got elected the majority leader pretty quick. Mm-hmm. And then you were majority leader, I believe, from, I guess, either the, the beginning of 2008 up until 2010. Yeah, and then, 2000, the, September 2007 through 2000. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. then you became speaker after 2011, after you helped, I guess, give Republicans, I guess, 17 more seats yeah, in the yeah, it was, it was the largest Republican pickup at that time, I guess, at the history of the state. Uh, and it's something that, uh, you know, I was in District 106, and we ended up with 106. And it was, you know, when I look back on my political career, uh, the time I spent with HRCC, my colleagues, the staff from David Willis to Aaron Willard to Robert Nodell to Joe Lakin, uh, just people that are really talented, great great friends of mine uh that night of getting to 106 was a pretty amazing experience Mm -hmm. now you had a couple interesting i mean aside from the the heavy stuff which is the issues but we're not totally about the issues we're gonna get thank goodness we're gonna get to that in a minute Uh, you also had a couple interesting controversies one i remember particularly because you were nice enough to pick up the cell phone when i called you after you had decided to put rush limbaugh into the sure i remember that yeah and then you broke the story (laughs) <laughs> and and because there was a rumor, and you goes, yeah, I'm doing that, and this is why. <laughs> and then the whole incident of Cairo, Illinois, which Jason has put into prosperity forever because of a video. Yeah, I teach a college class of government, and every yeah, that's kind of the running joke. They YouTube that. That's, really? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, do you want to talk about that just a little bit? You were talking about which it one you want to talk about up. first? Well, well let's, let's talk. Let's go in sequential right. order. And I kind of want to give some context for people. Um, back in 2011, I was a freelancer and I was freelancing for the Beacon. And one of the things that I did often, and one of the things I still do often, is take videos of people at, at press avails. And there was a moment during this particular press avail where the former speaker, current, then speaker was asked about a flooding situation that was going on on with the border of southeast Missouri 
and Cairo, Illinois. And Rudy Keller of the Columbia Tribune just asked you directly, would you rather see Cairo flooded or Missouri farmland? Or it might have been the because other way around. Because the Corps of Engineers was going to blow up the levee. And, yeah, and that's when the filter should have kicked in and said, Stephen, just be nice. <laughs> and it actually started that way. If you look at the video, yes. it was very measured and... It was like, well, you know, I want to see the facts and everything. And then, then you know, I just said what I thought. Yeah. And that was? And I just said, you know, I'm a speaker of the House of Missouri. Southeast Missouri is my home. And they, you know, if they're going to blow a levee, I, I, my comment was I just, I'd, I'd rather Cairo flood than Southeast Missouri. <laughs> now, now here's the Not thing. realizing how offensive that might be to a bunch of people now, that live in Cairo, now, Illinois. Now, I, it became a national story. It became a national story. Not only did it become a national story, there had to be a police officer at your door, and you actually summoned me to your office to make an apology video because, you know, I wasn't trying to get you in super amount of trouble. <laughs> no, no, I, I, no, I realized Because that. I didn't realize it was going to blow up the way it did, too. But just I know we're laughing about it now, but what was it's kind, of, time, your, yes. what was kind well, of your takeaway you know, from I, that I was experience? Just, well, I was, you know, like normally we do the press avails and then – you know, I would go do my thing, run the house and everything. And, and at some point in time, you posted the video. And then my staff, some relatively quickly after that, several hours, came and was like, how did that, what happened in the <laughs> press conference? What did you do? And I was like, no, I thought it went really well. You know, uh, they're like, no, it, it didn't go well. And uh, so, and then I thought through it, what was said. And, you know, and I didn't mean to be offensive to 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 Cairo and and some people tried to make it a racial issue and and you all know me and know that's that it was no way uh, a, a racial issue whatsoever but you know sometimes you say things that you that that you think but you, you don't realize that it could be offensive to people and I, I I wouldn't advocate the flooding of of a rural southern Illinois town but my point was I'm the speaker of the House of Missouri there were families and a lot of people that were affected by the flooding at the Birds Point levee and my job is to stand up for my constituents and that's what I did I probably could have certainly did it in in a more tactful manner and that's why I apologize mm-hmm. uh but uh yeah it's 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 you know it's to this day people see me and and you know I, I live in Missouri okay but to this day people are like hey you were right on Cairo you know but <laughs> And I was like, you know, hey, I, I didn't mean to insult Cairo. I certainly didn't, but uh, but I was standing up for Missouri, and I don't regret staying up for Missouri. I regret probably the way I said it. Now, now the Rush Limbaugh okay. thing, which people are still talking about, as I kind of mentioned. Yeah. There's, I think, a petition that still kind of, you know, <laughs> kind of hobbles around to get rid of it. Yeah. Um, and I didn't. I don't think we meant for the first five minutes to deal with these two <laughs> topics. We are going to get into serious topics, but. Kind of more what, serious than Rush Limbaugh. No, you had a serious speakership. I don't yeah. want to say that it wasn't, but what about that? You know, I, I think it's one of those things that I have as a speaker. You have the privilege of inducting people in the Hall of Famous Missourians, and uh, I inducted uh, Buck uh, Buck O'Neill uh, and um, uh, Dred Scott. Yeah, I remember uh, two, that. And I, I think those are two people that were certainly worthy. And I can remember having dinner with my dad. And we were talking about what immense privilege and honor it was. And my dad said, what do you think about Rush Limbaugh? And so, and I, I certainly think, by any measure, the guy has been unbelievably successful, the most successful radio personality maybe in the history of radio. And he happens to hail from my area of the state. And so uh, I'm not saying I always agree with him. I'm not saying he's universally loved. I'm, but but clearly he's a famous Missourian. And, and when we inducted him, I just thought it was amazing that people wanted to hold him to a different standard than they held 
people that are already in the famous Missourians, uh, Hall of Famous Missourians, because if you do some research, you'll find that all of them weren't perfect, and they said some controversial yeah, things. Walt, and, Walt Disney, not a great record with Jewish people, yeah, for I mean, example. Yeah, so I, you know, I knew I know it created a, a, a big stir, but to be perfectly candid with you, for my family, uh, my brother, my my dad, a lot of my caucus members. It was one of the most memorable days they'll have at the Capitol. Still think you should have picked Randy Orton or Kane, but maybe <laughs> well, that's Kane? for Tim Jones. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> ma- ma- yeah, and you know, I actually I saw what Tim's doing with the Hall of Famous Missourians, uh, and uh, I I think it's a good idea. Too. Sh- should it still be under the control of the Speaker? I know there was discussion during the Limbaugh thing, aside from the the controversy a- absolutely. of him. Of whether or not there should be some sort of broader. Well, you know, I'm the speaker, former speaker, right. so I'm always going to okay. be uh, supportive of that biased. power staying with the speaker of the house because that's that's the way it's always been. And I think if you look, you know, there may be people in the Hall of uh, Famous Missourians that I disagree with, but I, you know, I don't think you're going to find anybody that agrees with everybody that's been inducted. But uh, but I like how it works, and uh, I, I, I'm not opposed to some changes. I think Tim's got a nice, the Speaker Jones has some nice ideas with it, and I think it makes sense. And so I'm sure he'll do a great job with who he picks. Now, a quick thing to our listeners. Uh, the uh, Hall of Famous Missourians, if I'm correct, it's, it's all from private money, correct? That's right. We raise yeah, the, the money. The private money is raised. It's no e- tax money is used. That's exactly right. But I tell you, if you go to the Capitol, I think one thing that the young people and any visitor loves is is to walk through uh, uh, the rotunda and and see all the all the people in there and read about them. I think it's one of the unique things to visit at the Capitol. And uh, you know, I, I you know, I thought it was neat. And I was talking earlier. I was playing apples to apples with my family over the weekend. It was my brother's forty uh, sixth birthday. And we had a big group of people at my house, and we were playing that game, and it involves cards and has people's names on it and different things, and one of the cards was Rush Limbaugh. And so I thought, yes, if you can make it on a card of apples to apples, you are famous. So, uh, Fair enough. So, and, my, and my daughter brought that up to me. So, Well, well transitioning a little bit. In, now we're going to get serious. Now we're gonna... so Actually, we got... I've enjoyed the first part of the conversation. <laughs> Good. Just well, wanted to make sure. Well, that. we can just get a game of apples to apples going. We can just play that Absolutely. for the next 15 minutes. But in just a few weeks, it's sort of sneaking Two weeks, up. Yes. Two weeks is veto session. And it it looks like House Bill 253, the income tax cut bill, will be brought up even if there aren't the number of votes. Sure. I, I'm curious, as a former Speaker of the House, what advice, if any, would you have for the current Speaker of the House? Well, you know, it's a t- he's got a tough job. What I will tell you is it's uh, being Speaker is a very difficult job. It, you have to make difficult decisions, and not everybody's going to be happy with your decisions. And I, and I don't want to second-guess the current Speaker sure, at sure. all because he's a good friend of mine, and, I, and in my estimation has done a, a, a very good job. Uh, as a conservative Republican, I think the government takes too much money, okay? And so I'm supportive of, of, the, ta- of the tax cut. Where his dilemma is is just numbers. I mean, they've got 109 Republicans, and you need 109 to override. Uh, I don't foresee a pathway that you get really any Democrat to vote to override their Democratic governor. You know, I mean, that happens very, very rarely. My experience with vetoes has been if it's not pro-life or pro-gun, Every once in a while, if it's pro-life or right, pro-gun, you right. can get Democrats you cross to, exactly. to cross over and support. Yes. But if it's not a pro-life or a pro-gun issue, 
Democrats will stick with their governor as Republicans would stick with theirs as right. a general rule. Uh, and uh, because I can remember having meetings in my office with bills that had 140, 150 votes trying to get enough Democrats to cross over and override, and they'd be like, no. But even though they voted for it three months earlier. <laughs> but I'm glad you mentioned that because I think that's been one of the difficulties of this. When we talk about the redistricting override, which is which happened under your speakership, sure. there were four Democrats in the House that ended up bucking the governor on that and voting to override. And it seemed like that was a major reason. In fact, that was the only reason that bill got overridden because there were only 105, 106 Republicans. 100, right. Yeah, 105 uh, and, you know, I, I think that boiled down to a couple things. One, I think you guys knew through my speakership that I worked very hard to develop relationships with the minority party. And, and two, redistricting is slightly a different animal. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, you know, I think the congressman, uh, uh, Clay and uh, Congressman Cleaver. Cleaver, that were neutral on it, allowed some of these members to feel comfortable voting the way they wanted to Do you vote. think they were neutral on it? There there has been this kind of criticism of Clay that he secretly wanted it overridden, and it didn't really seem like Cleaver made any effort no, to try and I, do that. I wouldn't say that either one of them came to me and worked it really hard. Mm -hmm. You know, I did take their, their suggestions under consideration when Representative Deal, who's now the majority leader, who was the chair of redistricting, was working through everything. But I think I think John, as the chairman, wanted to treat everybody fairly. Uh, and come up with a product that, that everyone could live with. And I think, you know, un the unfortunate circumstances, we lost a congressman. Uh, but I think by losing one, I think we did the very best we could, and we were able to, to get that overridden, and, and I was proud of that. Now, wasn't that, I think, the last veto override, the last successful veto no, override? No, there was a pro-life one. Oh, well, uh, contraception yeah, one. Well, but you were I'm not, sorry, you, had, you yeah, had resigned That's right. That's ex that's that a, and that's why, if you have an issue... <laughs> That's that kind of social issue. That's where I think you Correct. get Democrat crossover. Right. Besides that, you won't see much. Is that why you think that this Second Amendment Preservation Act or Gun Nullification Act has a better chance of getting overridden because the fact that it deals with firearms and that does kind of cut <laughs> sometimes between party lines and goes along regional lines? Yeah, because lines. I think what it does is it makes – now, there's not a lot of rural Democrats anymore because right. we've been – successful of that's of probably winning. thanks to you <laughs> yeah. partially yeah we, we were pretty pretty effective at that but you do have some in the collar counties jefferson county lincoln that really put some of the democrat we we've got one in st francis county mm -hmm. uh mm -hmm. with representative black so you've got some democrats in outstate that you have a gun issue and it makes it certainly a little more difficult for them but so in other words it might be the democrats might be more willing to cross over on That's this exactly, one. That's exactly yeah. They they are on, they are more because I think they see it as you know there's there would be some pain back home by not crossing over. Well, and by I mean you, pain, yeah. I mean blowback from the Second Amendment. Well, and home. you've got a lot of local rural school districts who are lobbying against HB two fifty three, the uh, tax cut bill, because that's right. they because they believe it could hurt them. That's right, and that's that's a I think that will potentially affect the vote count on the Republican side too. Uh, but you know, I think back to your question. You know, I think my advice to the Speaker Jones would just be to do whatever you think is right. And uh, you know, it's a tough job, and he's got tough decisions to make. And uh, you know, uh, it's 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 a tough situation. But I don't see how the numbers. Yeah. I don't see how he gets to the numbers. 
now that he needs. Now, okay, going kind of backwards a little bit, when when we talk about your speakership, we really don't talk really about House Democrat fighting within the House, because as you kind of alluded to, it seemed like during your tenure, the two parties got along pretty well sure. in the House. The real kind of conflict that you had was between the Republican-controlled House and the Republican-controlled Senate. And one of the things where it came to a head was tax credits, which is still an issue that we talk about today, primarily because the special session of 2011 really didn't bear a lot of fruit. So my my question for you, not necessarily to rehash everything that happens. You can sure. look on the Beacon, Beacon website and read all of that. But why do you think there's been kind of this, you know— loggerheads, so to speak, between the two chambers on this issue. And, and there really wasn't as much push on it this last session or two since you've been gone. I mean, there's right. been discussion, but then it's like, forget it. You, we don't have the votes. You know, I, I th- and I don't necessarily think it's a fight between the House and Senate. I think it's it's an it's a fight substantively on issue right. between a small few people, because I think as a general rule, if you looked at the Senate as a whole, I think if you ask the senators as a whole, what they thought about the deal the House agreed to back in 2011, they would take it. I mean, now sunsets aren't even discussed, mm-hmm. and the House agreed to put a seven-year sunset on a lot of these programs. Uh, we agreed to caps that were at or in some cases below what the what the Tax Credit Review Commission recommended. So, But you had a situation for, for some people, it just wasn't quite far enough, and mm-hmm. And what I never understood is if you can make incremental progress towards your end goal, why not take incremental progress? Mm-hmm. Well, some of them felt like no progress is better than incremental progress, which if you'd have taken incremental progress two, three years ago, you'd probably be almost to your end game right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, I, I think uh, Senate leadership now uh, would like to have tax credit reform. I think actually House leadership would be okay uh, with tax credit reform, I think they've just got to find a middle ground that both sides can live to. And, you know, I'd say one regret, regret I had as speaker is maybe I took some of those fights a little too personal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wish I wouldn't have. But when you're in the heat of things, it gets personal because you you, you make a, a deal, you agree to a deal, you get into special session, then all of a sudden one side changes the deal. And I think during that special session, the person that got a lot of attention in the Senate was was Senator Jason Crowell, former right. senator. And I actually right. asked you this question. I don't I know it got personal between you two, but I think you said that he like never lied to you or said anything no. like that. No, no, absolutely. I don't uh, I, I I would never call Senator Crowell a liar. I think Senator Crowell is a really smart, talented guy. We just we just disagree. But the person you did have a lot of harsh words for was Senator Brad Logger, right. who he doesn't really seem to care for you very much, no. even to this day. <laughs> no. What what is kind of what kind of sparked this conflict between you two? Well, you know, I mean, and that's one of the things I regret is is letting it get personal. But but from my perspective, the the thing that I had heartburn with was you know, I, I was in meetings where Brad was part of the negotiating team. I was I can remember in Clayton, we all agreed to it. And then all of a sudden, three days later after the agreement, four days later, whatever, after we announced we're going around the state, then he didn't didn't like the agreement anymore. And I just felt like that kind of put us all out there. I mean, I would have been okay if we didn't have an agreement, hmm. you know, but uh, that certainly put us. And I, I remember okay. asking him about this. I think he had a. I guess he had a different per- perception of that. And you can read that in the archives of the Beacon. But I, I 
you have said that before. So. Yeah, I mean, and, and it, you know, I mean, I wasn't the only one in this discussion. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, I mean, there was other people that were there that were that helped negotiate the deal. And, you know, I'm sure they have their perception of what happened as well. Well, one of the things I did want to I suspect it would be similar to mine. Yeah. <laughs> Was 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 ethics reform? You had to push through a bill when sure. you were in the uh, general assembly. Uh, some of it got tossed out by the right. courts. Um, any change has been kind of stymied since then. Yeah, I learned a real valuable lesson with that. You know, I, I think what I learned with that is if if you don't, and it goes back to incremental progress. If you if you don't believe that there should be campaign contribution limits, then any reform that you do is going to be not enough for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're going to get you're going to get criticized either way. Mm-hmm. And so, in many ways, you're better off not to do anything because if you philosophically agree that there should be openness, transparency, and no limits are fine, then you know it's just not going to be enough. No, no, nothing you do is going to be enough. Well, realistically, looking at it now, is there anything that you could see the General Assembly? doing yeah i mean i think there's universal agreement on a lot of things uh you know i i think uh you know i think better disclosure i think more teeth for the ethics commission uh i i think uh a waiting period from legislator to to lobbyists i think there's universal agreement on a lot of things uh but i think the the campaign contribution limits kind of stops everything who are you representing now as a lobbyist uh you know it's publicly disclosed but you know i've i work with anheuser-busch uh i work with fred weber uh, i work with uh, supermarket merchandising i work with the online lenders i work with gardner capital mako development so there's there's probably a group of 10 to 15 clients so you wouldn't have you wouldn't have minded if you had to wait two or three years no before. i i well i think you 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 abide by the rules that are in place. Mm-hmm. You know, if the rules were in place, I would have waited two years. You know, you and I had this discussion mm-hmm. off air that, mm-hmm. you know, I've got a profession, you know. I mean, this is just something I enjoy doing. I really enjoy the political process. I enjoy mm-hmm. policy making. It's it, And so I chose to do it because I actually enjoy doing it. And uh, But, you know, I, I, I still see patients, you know, every month. You know, every, it works out to about mm-hmm. a day a week. And so... Well, you know, I, I would abide by whatever rules they had. Now, one of the other I, – I talked with Senator Lager for a story I was doing on historic tax credits a few months ago. And one of the things that he floated as a quote-unquote ethics reform thing – and I'm not just singling you out. You're, there are a number of people who, who have this situation – is that nobody should be able to have a campaign committee if they're not running for anything. And I guess I'm technically singling you out because you do have that situation. Sure. Um, there, there, but there are other people who have that too. Former Governor Matt Blunt still right. has money. Wayne Good still has money. Former Speaker Steve Gaw, who hasn't run for a state office since 2000, still has forty thousand dollars. What do you kind of think of that idea? Somebody who still has, you know, a lot of leftover I, money. I would be okay with that. Would you just give all your money to charity at that? Well, oh, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I've, uh, you know, I, I've, I've, I've done what I've always done with my campaign money. If you look back. <laughs> And you you follow me or this? I give a lot of away to Republicans, you know, and so that's what I'm continuing and to former, do. I gave, and former Republicans and former Republicans. That's right. And uh, you know, and and my friends in general. Yeah. I mean, I, I probably gave to Jamila when I was mm-hmm. sitting uh, Senator Nasheed when I was a city. I, I'm not afraid to give to Democrats if they're my friends. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and I believe in him. How much flack did you get over that contribution to Costco? You know, I think a little bit. I, I think, <laughs> so, uh, you know, I think some caucus members were like, you know, what's what's the purpose of that? And I think I told him, listen, you know, the attorney general has been a friend of mine. I think he's done a relatively good job. I don't agree with necessarily every decision he's made or any elected official, but I do believe that he's he's an honest, hardworking guy. And uh, I was glad to, to be supportive of him. And, uh, you know, I mean, I helped I helped Democrats. I helped Penny Hubbard. I, I mean, you can the list goes. I, I did find it interesting. They were madder at you and you gave like, what, seven thousand five hundred dollars. And yep. they haven't raised as much ire when Rex Singfeld gave him three hundred thousand dollars or Sam Fox gave him one hundred thousand yeah, dollars. But in, but in their defense, they they say that, you know, you were the former Republican yeah. speaker of the House. But what but also what they have to look at is they're under the impression that I only re- received money from Republican donors. But mm-hmm. you all know that right. to be not true. Right. I mean, I received money from you. Unions, I received money from trial attorneys, and so th- those individuals could say the same thing. Why are you giving to all these Republicans when we're given to help you? But you know, I mean, that's that's what I've always done. So you know, and I've also given some to charity. I was able, fortunate enough, to help a park in my district mm-hmm. that uh, that uh, were refurbished. And so you know, I would be if if that's the law of the land, I will be more than happy to abide by it. Now, do you still collect money in that? No, campaign? no, okay. Okay. Now, one 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 thing I wanted to ask you issue-wise that I think you've been involved in is this transportation tax. And I don't know how heavily involved in it you've been or maybe you're just tangentially involved because I guess one of your clients Yeah, are. Fred Weber. But th- this was a really interesting issue because it did not cut across normal ideological lines. You had Republicans who supported the one-cent sales tax. You had Democrats who supported it. And you had Democrats who opposed it. And you had Republicans that opposed it as well. Sure. Um, I kind of wanted to just ask you, where do you kind of see that issue going in the future? Well, I think the the fundamental thing, which I will tell you that Senator Kehoe has been a leader on, is we've got a crisis, I believe, in infrastructure. And when you look at economic development You're and— ch- talking about Highway 70. Yeah, yeah, or, you know, more than just Highway 70, just infrastructure in general, roads, okay. bridges. And and if you want to make Missouri— a, the state it has the potential to be because it's in the center of the state. It has a lot of great things going forward. It's on a river. Uh, infrastructure is important. Workforce, education, infrastructure, that's all important. And, you know, when you look at MoDOT funding over the past four years, it's as you look forward, it's a crisis situation. So one of the options, one of the alternatives was a sales tax to help generate money. Uh, for infrastructure, and I think it made it through the Senate relatively easy early on. Uh, you had a lot of Republicans that were a little concerned with it because they looked at it as raising taxes, but the reality is every year we pass an enab- enabling legislation which enables cities and counties to put before the voters mm-hmm. and let the voters decide whether they want to fund And there something. were some Democrats who thought it was too regressive toward the poor and the senior citizens as well, sure. but that was kind of a – that wasn't – I guess the main people who were no, speaking out no, against the I, bill. My sense was I, we were having more problems with Republicans convincing them that it wasn't a tax increase because the reality is you're letting the voters decide whether they think funding for transportation should be done by this or not. Now, I would tell you one one idea for transportation is not to raise taxes, just to make it a priority within your general revenue budget and fund it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't want to raise taxes, but you think transportation should be a priority, well, then find the money within your general revenue budget to do it. Uh, uh, but but the proposal that was on the table was the transportation tax. And eventually it made it through the House and then got to the Senate. And you had a few senators that had some heartburn with it from the tax issue. And I totally respect their opinion. 
Do you still think there'll be an initiative petition on this? You know, I don't know. Uh, it's an expensive process to go mm-hmm. through initiative petition process, and it's also, even if it would have passed the General Assembly, been an expensive process to get it passed on the ballot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think all options should be open, uh, and uh, I just think long-term Missouri has to find a solution, whatever that solution may be, to making sure we can invest and have uh, safe and, and, and sound roads. I think that should just about do it for us this week. Thank you for joining us. <clears throat> you can read all of my stories at stlpublicradio.org. You can read all of Joe and Jason's stories at stlbeacon.org. You can follow me on Twitter at, at CSMcDaniel. You can follow Jason on Twitter at J Rosenbaum. You can follow Joe on Twitter at J Manis. That's J M A N N I E S. And you can. F- do you have a Twitter? Yeah, I had Team Tilly, and I, I think my daughter is the only one that follows it right now. So, <laughs> so she, she, she enjoys that. I think all, all your tweets are about playing apples to apples. So yeah, I don't yeah, think people you know, are following I, I as much you, anymore. You know, I, I wasn't good at finding balance in my life through my speakership, and, it, and this whole process has enabled me to do that. And so I'm, I'm thrilled with I, where I'm I at. I was going to say before we left off, I, I heard a, a, a terrible rumor from Jeff Smith that you've never been happier since you left office and that you've gotten <laughs> to spend a lot of time with your family and travel. And I, I just wanted you to, you know, quash that terrible rumor. No, no, right it is. It is no, it's, it's absolutely true. And, you know, I think sometimes you lose track of what's important to you and you get tied up with work and all that stuff and and taking a step back and and you know focusing on what's important to me is great and also realizing you know maybe the way I handled situations I wish I would have handled differently like the the fighting with the senate or senator Lager I mean there's just no need for that people can disagree and still be cordial and and I wish I would have handled it better and I regret that but it is what it is well, now that you've mentioned your your Twitter on this show, I'm sure you'll get thousands upon thousands of new followers. Or tens <laughs> of tens of followers. <laughs> well, we'll be back next week. Until then, so long.